De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host, Doug Bell, and today we're going to be talking about the way forward for B2B SaaS product-led growth strategies. Joining us is Mona Akmal, who is the CEO and co-founder at Falcon, which is an AI growth platform that helps go-to-market teams win more deals more efficiently to drive more revenue. So far this week, Mona and I have talked about B2B product-led growth and marketing influence and attribution. Today, we're gonna wrap up our conversation by talking about using revenue intelligence to increase sales efficiency. Okay, here's my conversation with Mona, the CEO and co-founder at Falcon. Mona, welcome back. Talk to me about revenue intelligence, what it is, and who are some of the companies competing in the category currently that folks would know about? Thanks, Doug. It's great to be back. So, you know, we have, we're seeing there are a bunch of application companies that are trying to get into revenue intelligence now. So, for instance, Dong just announced their forecasting solution, which they are presenting as revenue intelligence. We've all heard about Clary, which predominantly does revenue forecasting, but they're also rebranding as revenue intelligence. We've seen Outreach put out their forecasting model, which is also being branded as revenue intelligence. I'm going to sort of take a departure here and say none of these are revenue intelligence. These are all about forecasting and these are all about deal inspection, which is a subset of revenue intelligence, but it is not revenue intelligence at large. I have a different definition of revenue intelligence, which I'd be happy to get into with you. Okay, I want to hear that definition. Awesome. So I will start from not revenue as the metric. I start from net revenue retention as the metric. And if you know how to calculate net revenue retention, it factors in new revenue as much as it does expansion revenue and the lost revenue, which I think a lot of sales leaders don't think about because often customer success is responsible for churn and not sales leaders. And so When we really think about revenue intelligence, it needs to be a solution that looks at NRR, net revenue retention, which includes intelligence about how we create new revenue, intelligence about how we find expansion revenue, intelligence about how we avoid lost revenue. That's revenue intelligence. And that's what we're actually building at Falcon, which is why we call it go-to-market intelligence instead of revenue intelligence, because unfortunately, that word has been polluted by some of the players that I've mentioned. So thank you for sharing that, by the way, I would say that the conversations we've had over the last couple of days really do seem to center on this idea of getting to the right data, getting to the right information, and not being too dependent on data. Are we using qualitative and quantitative data? And what you're really saying here is the end of the day, a SaaS business is not about its ability to generate new revenue. It's more holistic picture I think HubSpot, gosh, it was six, seven years ago, 
put the flywheel model out there. And in many ways, I feel like we're talking about the flywheel revenue intelligence perspective on things. So using NRR as the foundation, where do you feel like the challenge is for you in terms of the modeling meaning do you find yourself in a situation where you've got to balance this idea of new revenue, you call it extension or expansion revenue, and also churn? Do you find yourself struggling to try and balance those? Or is machine learning to the rescue and it's really quite simple? That's a great question. So I think that new revenue is, so in product-led growth companies, new revenue, expansion revenue, and churn revenue are very similar because you have customers who are using your product without paying you any money and you're trying to find new revenue from those existing customers, which fundamentally means you have to join your sales data with your marketing data with your product usage data to gain revenue intelligence. And predominantly, I would say revenue intelligence is about what accounts to focus on, which users and contacts to reach out to in those accounts, what the personalized outreach should be that helps them actually pick up the phone and take our call. And then having really strong execution from your sales and marketing team with all the right activities, hint, hint, including attribution to get those customers through the funnel, whether that is a renewal funnel, expansion funnel, or a churn funnel. So I think in PLG companies, these three really come together very organically and very nicely. In non-PLG companies, I would say expansion revenue and churn are pretty close to each other in that both rely on sales, marketing, and product usage data. New revenue is a totally different beast. It is predominantly focused on third-party data as well as sales and marketing data. So those are pretty different. Our focus has been really the intersection of the three. So we purposefully try to work with companies that, want product usage data plus sales data plus marketing data to drive all three parts of the equation that I've mentioned. And product usage data is the hardest part of that, by the way. Product, okay, so I'm gonna come back to product usage data, but I feel like in many ways, we're having this perfect circle conversation over the last few days. And it feels like at the center of that conversation really is a philosophy, but also at the center of that conversation is an idea about focusing on the right things. Right. So, so often we as leaders in the SaaS world tend to get overly concerned. You know, day one, we talked about unit economics and how unit economics can be the wrong thing to be focused on. It's focused on end users. Right. And in this case, I feel like what we're saying as well is quite often we develop models before fully understanding the data. So in terms of revenue intelligence, I talked about, geez, is it hard with new revenue? Is it harder with extension revenue? Is it harder with churn revenue? Is it harder with product data? But my sense overall is the answer is no. If the philosophy, the central core philosophy is such that you're looking at end users and end user behavior and end user performance, my sense is overall, maybe I'm telegraphing what you were just going to tell me with the secret sauces for Falcon. But my sense overall is it's really coming down to that. What is your core belief and where are you focusing? You're focused on the end user, that revenue forecast, that revenue intelligence is easier. But guess what? That's probably 5% of the market. Oh, no, right. Not that much of the market is in this perfect circle that we're looking at. So as a leader of an organization that's really dedicated to helping companies look at their revenue intelligently, what are some of the areas that you see clients goofing up on? I'm not going to contribute to the swear jar, Mona, I wanted to, but like, where are the pitfalls? Where do you see them kind of goofing up here? Yeah, I think that, you know, first of all, I think that actually one of the reasons why I started Falcon was... I wanted to solve a hard problem that requires a paradigm shift in how people think, right? Technology is actually easy. 
changing people's hearts and minds on how they do work when they have, it's like teaching them how to ride the bicycle backwards. It feels very inorganic and unintuitive. That's fun. That's challenging. So is it a hard problem? Yes. Are there only a small number of companies that subscribe to this philosophy right now? Yes. But if you've read Crossing the Chasm, how you build durable businesses is by identifying that small community that's going to be the pioneer group that changes an entire industry. And so we really actively seek out those pioneers because we share an ideology and a philosophy. So I would say that's how we deal with the challenges. The places where I see people goofing up, I'm going to take your lead and use that word, even though I haven't said it in 30 years. I hear there's a swear jar. I'm not rich enough for it. So where we see people goofing up are one, uh, as I mentioned in our previous session, they have expectations that data must be perfect in order for it to be useful. And so one of the big changes we want to instill is it has to be directionally right. The value of something doesn't actually matter. It's change over time is what really matters, right? And so if it's off by 20%, but it's consistently off by 20%, that 20% error doesn't really mean much, right? So really helping people develop a new relationship with data, which is data is imperfect. As long as it's directionally right, let's move forward and use it. The second place where I see people goofing up is trying to build everything in-house and not really understanding the cost of the modern data stack. Let's hire 10 data engineers, write a million dollar check to Snowflake. Then let's get five trend DBT. And one year later, we'll have a couple of uh, Tableau dashboards. Yay. The business is suffering the entire time. And so not investing in the right tools and wanting to build everything in-house is a particular concern. That's where I really ask customers, you know, because often the objection that comes up is we want to own our data. We want our data to live inside our environment. And my question is, great, where do you host it? Snowflake? Do you own Snowflake? Do you know where their servers are? No, you don't. You don't own your data. And your data doesn't live anywhere. It lives everywhere. So like, let's get over that and be pragmatic about privacy and security. Think about SOC 2 compliance as a good standard for us to bet on. And then the third and last thing that I would say is people are still predominantly using data to do reporting on the business, right? To sit in their monthly business reviews and look at a few dashboards and think they're data driven. I care more about data being used to make decisions every day. So I index on operational intelligence more than I index on strategic intelligence, because I think that's really where most of the execution gaps are in companies. So those would be my three answers. Okay, I want to wrap things up here and come back to what I promised I would. But you talked about actually the hardest data to get hands on, not hands on sleep, the hardest data to understand and integrate is product data. Tell us a bit more about that and why it's so hard. Yeah, so I would say there are two types of product data, right? When you're working with developer companies, their data is not product usage data. It's not amplitude or pendo data, right? So it's very difficult to get to because it's just logs. It's API logs. So there's technical complexity and it's massive. So being able to summarize that data in a way that's meaningful for an intelligence platform poses some challenges and we're working through those. Pendos, amplitudes, and mixed panels of the world are much easier to get hold of the data, but this is where I think greed really comes in, where instead of wanting to work with a smaller, so let's say you log every activity that your users do on your web application. That creates analysis paralysis. 
which subset of this data would you actually like to use in making revenue intelligence decisions? And that's where people want to choose the whole list, but the human brain doesn't have the capacity to absorb that much information. So I think less being more is the issue that we keep running into. And that's actually a good solve because I also am a greedy person. And one of my product managers has done a really great job where she'll never say no to me. Instead, she'll say, okay, let's just figure out everything. We'll do everything. But what are the first three things? And that really helps me let go of like the 17,000 product usage signals we could be looking at and focus on the three that we want to start with. Which brings us back to end user centricity, right? Which brings us back to this idea of having those hypotheses on what benefits the end user and training yourself to the point that you actually have those right metrics. Well, I'll tell you what, Mona, I've learned a ton. I appreciate all your time. I'm now a Falcon fan. I have to say, based on that philosophy, I'm a fan. Watch out attribution companies. Watch out Outreach. Watch out Clary. Watch out Gong. Thanks for being on the podcast with us today. Thank you, Doug. This was awesome. Appreciate it. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Mona Akmai, CEO and co-founder at Falcon, for joining us. If you would like to contact Mona or learn more about her, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact her on Twitter where her handle is at Mona underscore AAA or visit her company website at falcon.ai. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live in the show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we'll publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself.